0: Welcome back peeps to perfect.dev where we give you cats, the freshest dose of dev snacks. Hey there, perfect peeps. In the studio with us today, we have Alex Feldman. Alex, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great, thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, looking really forward. So, so a little background on everybody. Alex and I, we have been working at GM together for the last three years on infotainment. Uh, Alex is one of the really the the key people that push through and, and get our agile methodology in place. So, we wanted to have him on the show today because we think agile is important, especially as we look to young developers and experienced developers how we can better intertwine our practices and making sure that we have a good understanding of what it takes uh, to work in an agile framework. Alex, before we get things kicked off, anything that you want to say to the team before we run through our, our list of questions we have?
1: No, I'm, I'm great. I think it's quite important and uh, understand what's agility mean. It's really understand it's uh, what does it mean and how it's impacted the organization. Uh, it definitely challenge considering the agility. It's like a buzzword right now. and it's understand that really what does it mean and what it's actually what it will be involved in how it's impact organization so it's definitely nice to let people know and share and i think uh my experience will be useful uh in a, just the way how i get to the this environment to this space uh i think it's uh, will be the story i can share Wonderful,
0: wonderful. All right, well, great. Well, let's uh, let's get things rolling. So let's start with the uh, first question on our list here, which is, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of give a background of who you are, what you are, and uh, what you're up to these days.
1: Okay, uh, I have a 15 years experience as a developer. I think this is uh, quite interesting in terms of me to understand inside out what's the development, what's engineering, how it's involved, what's the development process. And uh, after 15 years, I kind of shifted my focus on more management. I had a small company for three years. And uh, this made me kind of move to the really look on, on organizational uh, structure and see how we can run efficiently, how we can using the small resources that I have in a small company actually mm-hmm. to deliver the product. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, I didn't know anything about agility. I didn't know anything about Scrum or Kanban. And I slowly moved to the key to keep to keep everything transparent. And when I get the transparency, I get to the involved in the Kanban. And I, then I moved to the Scrum. It actually get me really buy in all idea of the Scrum and Kanban. I then I moved to AMD as a project manager, and uh, we did uh, initial transformation from multiple Scrum team, uh, multiple team into Scrum. But again, uh, AMD was uh, quite heavily hardware development company but we have a quite uh, some initial success that they they continue doing right now and then four years ago i moved to gm as a project manager at the beginning to really understand it's a huge corporation there is a lot of process involved there's a lot of teams uh and moved uh, slowly to the change management and actually agile transformation just nick mentioned uh we're doing quite interesting job right now uh transforming uh a big organization to the agile environment
0: and huh. here's a uh, I a m that's nice so so one thing i guess before we go on to the next uh question so you came from both uh in a sense a startup type of mentality and now working for a large organizations like amd and gm any particular one that you actually enjoy more or or less or um any benefits to the both or what's your thoughts on that <laughs> it's uh...
1: You know it's interesting, I think the working in a small company give you a sense of ownership and the mm-hmm. de- feeling of the product. even if when you when I was developer, you you develop something, you feel the result, right? Mm-hmm. But when you own the company, sometimes you don't have a result right away. You need to really work really hard to get something outgoing to get the feedback from the customer. And I think those combination, gives me a lot of motivation right now when you're working on a big co- company when there's a lot of uh, activities involved until they actually see the result of your effort. And transformation, it's quite painful in terms of getting to the point when you see the feedback back. And if you don't have motivation, if you don't have actually, uh, you really not believe in this, it's, it's really hard. It's really frustration. I think this what keeping me busy keeping me involved in finding the right way to convince people, motivate people, engage people. And uh, I think those two engineering and entrepreneurship background, it's the key.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's that's really great. Well, um, thank you for that. And let's uh, let's go to our next question here, which is out of all the methodologies out there, right? We talk about waterfall, especially in our organization, where a lot of it is waterfall. Why did you choose to focus on agile as, as almost like a career path and career practice?
1: I think if we we'll look on um uh, history, uh there is nothing wrong with waterfall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's the key to understand and a key to everyone to accept. Waterfall it's a great framework when you know when you know what's when you know the product, when you know what will be delivered, when you the technology may be not as complex as we have right now. And if we take ourselves like 20, 30 years ago. The technology maybe was complicated at that time, but the information was kind of encapsulated in a team, in a company itself. Usually managers more technically, more knowledgeable than anybody else. And this way waterfall, it's more sustainable was at that time where you kind of developed the plan, you develop the process uh, internally. Now, when you look on what we're having right now, the most of the developers sometimes are even more knowledgeable than anybody of the senior people in a company. And I think it's nothing wrong with this. It's just the information. It's more available to the team. Now, I think it's all the organizational focus right now shift to the different uh, structure where the managers, it's more People who unblock the people who help them to deliver what they're supposed to deliver, and this way agility—it's focusing on communication, on interaction—help mm-hmm. uh, the people to deliver quality instead of actually managing them. And this way, the waterfall is still available; it's still practically good. And if—and it's key actually—if you look on the, some of the workshop, uh, the agile uh, coaches deliver. If the waterfall, it's 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 okay for the company. It's deliver what company needs. Don't change, and it's make everyone confused because at some point we think, oh, agility is the only way to go. Right. But it's actually no. Right. If waterfall is good, it's quality. You deliver what you're supposed to. What the customer is happy. You don't need to change. But if you really need to sustain in an environment that right now really uh, quick. The technology, the competition—you really need to deliver the, what's customer really need and in good quality. The agility is a focusing on delivery quicker, faster, with a good quality. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. So, um, one question that that also comes with that or comes to mind is: Do you think that agile and agile practices? Do you think that those are useful in all types of projects, or do you think there's a certain type of project, for instance, software development that? It's better in versus trying to build a car. So, do you think that there's a certain set of um, there's a certain set of projects that fit the agile mold, or do you think that you could apply agile to all sorts of different projects? I want to before I answer this question, I want to
1: make some small clarification that I think will help us, and I think people who listen as well. Agile, it's a mindset. It's not a process, it's not a state, it's not a final destination. It's only a couple, um, it's a mindset that helps us to understand how the actually company needs to operate. It's focused on the individual instead of tools and process. When mm-hmm. we focus on working software instead of documentation, question, it doesn't mean that we don't need to write documentation, but the focus is what customer actually uh, will benefit and benefit from the working software instead of documentation, so the agile is just a mindset, and I think when we go back to twenty or thirty years when waterfall was the main, they focus on the same thing. Just the question is how they deliver that instead right. of delivering whole project at once, we deliver in iteration what we call sprint in a, in a scrum so the f- agile is just again one of the things that we want to emphasize and put a focus. But the way how we're going to deliver, it's really depends on organization. And going back to your questions, the, there is many methodologies and framework that fit agile uh, mindset. Now, it doesn't mean it's only for the software. It can be also for the marketing. It's, it can be also fit uh, product management. It's practically involved, can be fit in any organization, any type of work. Question, it's how. And question how it will take you to really understand what's the processes involved, what's the structure, the what organization, what's the need, what the who is the customer?
0: Yeah, I, I actually I really liked your I really liked your approach where you're talking about the mindset, right? And I think we, we, in our own personal personal and professional lives right now, it's it's getting the mindset of agile and getting team members to adapt to that mindset. And I think you really hit it on the head there um, that. When a company or when an organization adopts that particular mindset, they have the skills necessary to be able to work in an agile type of framework versus, and even work in a waterfall environment with using agile processes and methodologies, I think. Sometimes waterfall, it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, there's some benefit. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, uh, you got, it's good to have a start and a stop, right? It's, yeah. good to know, it's good to know that we need to launch a vehicle, for instance. I we think just
1: to, ru- to add to the point, uh, any change, it's painful. Any change. No matter you move from waterfall to Agile, mm-hmm. or you change the process in a particular team or department. But what the key understand, what's the benefit, what's the, what's the pros and cons on the current process? why you decided to choose the specific process right now and what's the benefit of the new one and the same will apply when you move to agile when you're doing agile transformation you really understand what's the problem you have right now what's the benefit you can bring and why because at the end you can easily change the mind of two three people but it's much harder to change the mind for the hundred people a thousand people yeah Totally. this should be full alignment and it's not only development, it should be go across all the levels, management and directors' leadership, because it will involve every every single person in our organization
0: yeah, so you make you make a really good point with regards to how we go ahead and how we frame up when we're going through sprint planning. Do you think it's uh, do you have a particular mindset or process that you would want to put in place for? estimating the amount of work uh, i know like in a lot of our organizations or in organizations i've worked in the past we've used t-shirt samples where it's like all right a small is worth eight hours of work or mediums worth 30 or 40. do you have a particular one that you would rely on as an agile coach uh, that you would want to give to an organization to say hey maybe we work t-shirt sizing to try to get our estimates or maybe it's fibonacci what do you what do you kind of lean towards? I, I,
1: I think you you touch the most challenged area in a <laughs> Scrum, and its estimation. There is no one technique that will be best, mm-hmm. and I think it will be also depend on a situation and depends on a stage of the project. If you look on a Scrum team planning, like sprint planning, it's probably ju- just a Fibonacci number will be the simplest way to do. It at least gives more accurate data how you estimate now it will be if you try to connect those points to the dates or hours it's right away lead you to the wrong assumption Mm -hmm. it will influence your decision is it two hours or three hours the question of estimation and then you will right away lose the whole point of estimation relative estimation it really doesn't matter if it's two hours or three hours. The question is how big is the task? How big is is the story? And at the end, you don't know if it'll take two or three hours. If a senior engineer will take this task, it will take you one day. If the junior engineer will take five days, you don't know who will choose the task. So at the end, your assumption of the story points and linking to the date or hours will be completely wrong. So now... You need to be as independent as possible. And the key here, again, if we're locking on the scrum, that cross-functional team, it doesn't matter who chooses the task. The key is if I we can deliver this in a sprint. And this is the only goal for the estimation. Now, if you go to the program estimation, if mm-hmm. you need to commit to the feature, now feature is quite a big uh it's a, it's a big scope. Now yep. Yep. do you want to estimate any points? What does it mean in points for you? Now you're absolutely right. the tissue size will be absolutely probably better. And the question is it still will be relative. you still can make mistake. The question is again if you learn from this mistake if you try to if you make assumption that this is large and at the end it's you did this in a two three sprints, you probably make a wrong assumption. As long as you're trying to retrospectively to understand what's went wrong and why your data estimate is large and learn from this mistake, that's the that's the key. And this is why one of the key for when you transform an organization is to get to the learning organization, when you learn from every single decision. The same as a spring planning, you decide that you deliver three stories and in a retrospective meeting, you analyze if you successfully deliver everything or you failed, and why, and if you learn from this, the next sprint will be better.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why it's so key to have that retrospective. And I think it's also key to really have a heartbeat of what your team is and what your team is capable of, because you're right. If you overplan or overestimate, uh, then then, you know, you you will have a, a, a pitfall. Uh, during that that overall iteration but the good thing is is you have an opportunity to bounce back in the following sprint to reallocate reassign your team and uh, have a better understanding of what we can achieve in a given given time period correct
1: and this is why the sprint it's small one to four weeks where you can mm-hmm. still remember what you committed what you deliver and what's happened
0: <laughs> That's very true, that's very true so um thank you that's that's a great insight uh, one I guess a follow up to everything as as we're going through the the process of agile and what do you see as the biggest hurdles in an organization? So how what do we see what have you seen working in small and large organizations as the biggest hurdle to getting people on board to accept this mindset
1: there is a multiple steps uh, actually multiple areas when you transform organization. One, it's a mindset that actually people understand what's the key, if the quality. If we if the team find the defect, they need to fix it as soon as possible because this will impact uh the uh, their customer. Now there is a mindset, there's the practices. For sure you cannot change an organization, you cannot implement the scrum if you're not following this practices. Now it it's look like the mindset and the practices will make Everything uh, tr- will, will make organization transform to the new organization. But the key here is actually the organizational structure. And I think in a small company, the mindset and uh, practices will be sufficient because the company is small. If it's two, three scrum teams, you practically know each other. You really understand what's going on. Now, if you go to the big organization, where there's a multiple team, there's external teams. Sometimes there is a supplier's. The key here is to have organizational structure. What does it mean organization organizational structure? Organizational structure, it means everything, including the backlog, the transparent backlog, the good estimation, at least consistent estimation, because the feature may go across multiple Scrum teams. And if we will not keep it transparent and clean, it will be hard for us to even to forecast, even to understand what's going on. If we keep our stories not in a right way defined not in the right way, uh, and not consistent, not in a way how the everyone who may be external to the scrum team will understand it will definitely will make it really harder for organization to move forward now, for sure we need to and another uh, reason it's what it's included organizational it's actually the leadership it's a key for leadership to also understand but also for developers in the scrum to understand the leadership actually committing to the work we are developing. It's also clear for us as the developers to make transparent what the progress. Are we still on track or it's still not? What's the challenges? How they can help us? Because management in the end will help us to unblock us, to resolve in inter, um, um, inter-team dependencies. And this will definitely make a key for us.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, one thing that you said, and I'm going to pop this up on the screen here. So, Alex actually had said, "When do you know that your backlog is out of control? Do you mainly focus on your burn down to tell you? So, how do how do you go about that as a Scrum Master or Scrum Leader, trying to making sure that your team is um, on track through the project and program? How do you how do you handle that?" So, first of all, uh, so
1: Scrum Master or Product Owner of the team. Uh, th- Product owner is the one who uh, who working on a backlog, uh, who is a breakdown of the stories or features into the stories, and provide all information to the team so they can understand and estimate the backlog. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really important for the story written in a certain way. Uh, usually, yeah. as a user, I want to do something, and if it's specifically defined a way. So everyone who is external to the team can understand this. And if its story kind of shifted from the user story perspective, from the customer perspective to the way to the more engineering task, it's make unclear to everyone to understand. Although I'm not saying you need to be really strict and make it all customer driven stories. Yeah, I think the team should have some flexibility. And in some cases, we're going into really deep technical uh, scope that may require To be a technical story and i'm okay but the way the story is defined it's make it easy to understand to def to qa to quality people to understand how to test this and this is another concept that even if it's technical story it should be way to test it there's another key to all the stories should be completed in a sprint and all the stories should be testable Mm -hmm. if it's not testable in a sprint you kind of putting the black box in your backlog in in a in, in a branch. Mm-hmm. Now it's not testable. You may test it later when other functionalities will be available, but now if you find the defect or you find an issue, it will be taken longer for you to fix. So the backlog, it's still people need to understand the, the concept. What's team planning to deliver? And even technical, it should be clear, understand, readable. I think it's for the external people need to see the value of the backlog. You need to understand what the team is doing, what's the plan, what's the next one, what's the priority, what's the rank. Now, if you're looking on the forecasting, uh, it's really important to the Scrum Master to track the velocity. Mm -hmm. I know velocity may or may not be stable, Uh, depends on the defect,
0: depends on the quality. But probably probably depends on probably depends on the team, too. Right. And understanding maybe you don't have exactly or you had a team member that joined or a team member that left. That's a senior team member that all of that would affect the velocity, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. And this has come in during the retrospective meeting to understand if you committed to 20 store points, but senior engineer left to vacation because it's planned or unplanned, you understand you may not deliver everything right now. When you plan the next sprint, it's a key. And if we're talking about like vacation, it's a key to people to understand if you're going to vacation, let people know because yeah. when they commit, they need to understand that you will be away. It's a team commitment and team engagement and motivation that will be the key. If we commit and we not deliver, it means something wrong. It's not critical. We can always recover. We can always learn from this, but this is team and the team usually stay and this. This why the scrum. It's uh, the name of the scrum come from the rugby when the mm-hmm. team walk together and if one of them is saying the game will be different. Mm-hmm. So now for sure, the velocity is different and for sure you cannot compare velocity for, with one team, with another team. Right. And it's one right. of the mistake, that most organizations foil really uh, badly when you try to see, Oh, this team is doing 20 story points and other teams are doing 30 story points. There's nothing wrong with this, different estimation, estimations, relative estimation, but it's a, it's really key to understand and when the team actually forecasts they not use the velocity from the last sprint mm-hmm. they can see the average velocity and it's good practice to use the uh, average velocity although it gives some uh buffer to the team but it's still okay again we need to understand we hardly can plan anything in the next two three weeks right. it's more harder for us to plan anything in two three
0: months right
1: uh any but as long as we can und- we can explain why we use certain velocity, this will be still good forecasting to the program management, to the company to understand when we're planning to deliver the feature.
0: And and I guess I guess one thing maybe to look at too is um, and you kind of hit on this a little bit, is when we're initially doing this, uh when we're initially doing the forecasting of what it's going to take to build out a feature and to build out a story. And we look to assign either a t-shirt assignment to that particular, how do we make sure that, you know, in a sense, it sounds like we're almost doing a little bit of waterfall in that process, right? Where we're building out all these stories so far in advance, where we think we have this to be able to be done in a small, but in reality, it's based on what we know today. And we might not get to that because it's in our backlog for six months. How do we make sure that we don't have too much of a limited forecast or a, a, a true forecast, right? I, in a sense, I guess we're looking at it like the weather today. It's saying mm-hmm. it's going to rain, uh, but <laughs> if we wait two and a half hours, it might be snowing outside. So, you know, how do we make sure we go from a far, farmer's almanac, which is you know done in a year <laughs> in advance, to making sure that we're here this week and understanding what we have, and we can make those commitments that we mm. realistically a- to talk to.
1: It's a good point. And, uh, and this is why the estimation, specifically relative estimation, should be done consistently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If we keep the team and it's as it without changes, for sure, some of the reorganization may happen in, in uh, during the year. But if you keep the team as it, I mean, the number of people, their knowledge for sure, they learn a lot, but the people know each other and they can estimate. And the key is they estimate together. Now if you start moving people around from one team to another team and the new people will come to the team they need to adjust the way how they estimate mm-hmm. they need to understand what's and how they also need to learn the technology and the scope so it's a key to keep the people who estimate consistent at least for the long time
0: now is that is that somebody like the scrum master or the scrum lead that's really trying to help facilitate that and do the regrooming of those stories as either team members fall off or New team members join, and and how often does that iteration supposed to occur?
1: So estimation can be done anytime when new story uh, added to the backlog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Protocol a groomed backlog every time. Every when the new scope coming to the team, and uh, as soon as new story is available, Scrum Master can find the best way to, or during the sprint planning, or during the sprint to get people together talk about the requirements to understand the scope and estimate it's really based on a a workload based on find the best time for the team to estimate maybe screen planning is the best just as long as team sits together. Now, now if we look on a more project estimation or feature estimation, now we're coming to the different level. And again, if you're talking about the different, uh, program that run in parallel, the estimation for them will be completely separate. You can compare one to another. Right, right. Now, if you're looking on a project that you're going to commit next year and then you're planning next year to the same team, now you probably need to keep the same people who estimated the the last year project and estimate the next year project. In this case, at least their understanding of the scope, their knowledge and experience carry over to the next program. And at least they can estimate uh, consistently, mm-hmm. they understand, and uh, they know how many people will be there. It's also important if the same people were going to deliver next year project as well. It's, there are a lot of pieces coming together, and you need to understand, if you know there is a, for the next program, for the next year, you have a less people in a, in a, will be involved, you need to understand this probably will feature will take longer to develop. Sure, uh, sure. All the information should be involved, considered, and uh, take into consideration when you estimate the feature. But again, consistency is the key for the relative estimation.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. It's consistency. And I think maybe consistency in trying to go through that estimation. Do you think that having a daily stand-up is useful to those teams? Or like you were saying, do you think having the teams just sit together is more effective? I I know that from a Scrum standpoint, having a daily stand-up is kind of the go-to methodology I've seen in our organizations, in my past organizations. But do you find those to be a little bit of an overkill or do you think that that's the the right method to really help push those teams through? So for, interesting enough, then uh, I think
1: in in a recent Scrum uh, Scrum or documentation, it's not called daily stand-up right now. It's called Scrum Daily, Daily Scrum. Daily Scrum. And I think this is one of the reasons why it, it's really up to the team how they want to run daily, uh, daily Scrum. Sure. Now, if the team only two, three people, uh, probably it's hard to call them Scrum, mm-hmm. but you don't need, they don't need daily, uh, daily Scrum. Now, it's hard to find the benefit right away. And I observe as well some t- people doing the daily Scrum, but then say there is no value of this. Now, it's really come to the thing, how actually the Scrum running? If you look on some of the backlog that I observe, they may be too technical or Mm -hmm. they're more engineering tasks. Now, if each engineer will take their own task and it's really independent from another person on their their team, there is nothing for them to share. Now, if they're both two, three people working on the same user story, they have something in common to share. And when they uh, groom story into a smaller task, they have something to share and they understand what they're delivering. Sure. So now if the team doesn't see the benefit of daily stand-up or daily scrum, they need to really to see what they're doing. I think in some cases it's maybe it will take more time. Maybe they need to see the backlog and groom the backlog more in a not in a too too granular. Mm-hmm. So it's more engineering task instead of user story. In this case, you actually get more engaged across the team. Uh, people more care about what other people is doing and more involved in what other people is doing. So in this case, your daily scrum, it's more actually interaction between the team instead of just, I did this, I'm doing that, and I don't have any challenges for today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's will be, it should be more interesting. Like the same as you come to the morning to your office, you say, how are you? How is your family? You actually get people involved in more personal level. This is the same should be done in a Scrum, a daily Scrum, when you actually come into more personal level in terms of what people are doing, how they're doing, what experience, what the challenges they have. So other people can help them or maybe share. And again, this is learning experience. If somebody did something that is really interesting, you can learn from them offline, not during daily scrum, but you know what they're doing. So oh, I want to learn this. How you did it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a community approach or going back Um, to the real reason for a scrum, which is a team, right? It's a rugby team. So it's that community approach and having a sense of ownership across the team and uh, being there for one another. Um, What are some of the resources with with everything that you've been able to do in your career? What are some of the resources that you can help point teams or intro developers or veteran developers in uh, learning more a little bit about agile and or program management Um, what are some of the tools that you've used to help accelerate your career like you've had
1: there's a lot of books available uh, for this scrum and uh, and scale scrum i will say that the scrum basic it's really simple it's only 16 pages document uh, really high level and it's this is the one of the key that Everyone needs to understand Scrum. It's a framework that it's really light uh, and really flexible. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the, the quite interesting experience I had recently, it's uh, Greg Lerman. I went to his workshop and he's the, the one of the uh, co-founder of a large enterprise Scrum scale Scrum framework mm-hmm. i think it's an interesting framework that just talk about how to scale scrum uh and end, it's curiosity if you're really interesting uh, how you can get this team running more smooth more efficient uh you get into scrum regular scrum scrum team now if you want a challenge the scale scrum it's more interesting how you actually organize the multiple scrum team together how you want to coordinate multiple Scrum team together uh, i can provide more details later on uh, with with number of links and maybe books that i think it's really useful and interesting uh yeah. but just a workshop on the conference uh you can find really interesting right now uh the, it, it's quite interesting that it goes to not the 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 transformation goes not into small organization only it's going to the the big enterprise organization because at the end we really need to deliver the quality and we need to deliver quicker faster and uh what the customer needs not just the car but we need to deliver the good car mm-hmm. otherwise we will fail the the competitive competition
0: uh Okay, great, awesome, awesome. I appreciate that, and you know, if you have any uh, links that you can drop by to us, we'll we'll happily put them in the show notes and get those in. Um, I guess well, one last question, then we'll just go right to our perfect picks for the day. Uh, so, with regards to, I guess the question that I have as I go into your LinkedIn profile, I see a lot of letters. <laughs> right, you you basically have all the Sesame Street letters A through Z um, on your on your. Uh, on your banner, uh, myself, I have a PMP as well. Uh, working towards uh, getting some scale uh, in as well for certification on my side. Uh, what one of those, whether it's less or whether it's scale or being the agile coach or a program manager or a PMP, um, what what one of those do you think is most valuable in your career right now? And what ones are you continually trying to develop as we uh, as you go through your life? Good question. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I don't think I can answer if there's one that's more valuable or not. Mm-hmm. I think over the, my career, I found it's like evolution. When I went through PMP first, and then I went to the Scrum Master certification. It, we are human beings, right? Mm-hmm. So always, and as long as you're not settled on certain level or certain knowledge, you actually start looking around and see how you can do better, right? And this is one of the uh, approach the Scrum using when retrospective come and say, "How can I do better next spring?" Yeah. Now, yep. when we did the PMP, it's more traditional waterfall, heavy. Team uh, book was you know <laughs> six hundred pages. It's brutal. you need to remember everything. It was brutal. I'm not sure if you use all the the charts and the table after that, but when you move to the Scrum and move to the Kanban, XP, you actually learn from the different approach. Now, Scrum, it was initial before, you're not going to scale Scrum before you take the foundation, right? right? So Scrum, it's like foundation. Now, when I joined GM and I was looking for the how I can scale, the safe came in place that I was, it's actually a scale agile framework. Mm-hmm. Now, what does it mean? And when you start asking yourself what does it mean you you're looking for the courses you're looking for the information books and this way i went to get the safe spc certification it's a safe uh, practitioner certification now safe it's really good and we can talk about this later next time uh but you will find the safe it's and this way that, by the way it's called safe it's a safe organization to use this approach but if you look deeper in a framework, it's actually taking the same organization, just changing the names, using some of the practices and the mindset, but actually doesn't change the organization as much. Less it takes you completely to the different world. And I think when I went to Greg Lerman's workshop, three days workshop, it was completely turned me upside down. I didn't know what I was going to do on Monday when I came back to the office because it's completely was. I need to do something like it's, I cannot live the same way I did this before.
0: That's awesome.
1: Now, there is another item that in my career that I'm trying to do is a coaching. And uh, as soon as you take Scrum Master, it's first of all, it's not just the facilitation, it's actually coaching. And if you come to this world, whatever you came from project management, it's actually coaching the people, uh, helping them. Unblock them, motivate them, and this is whole transition that uh, I think it's really interesting, at least in my experience, and this is why I went to the past to get agile professional agile coaching uh, certification. I'm still working on this, so I will say it's just evolution. Uh, I, it. I think less it's the most interesting. I think I'm really big fan of this. I don't think uh, at GM we, we're still using safe, and I think it's the right approach at this point. Mm-hmm but uh it's a it's a step for us who knows will be maybe something new tomorrow
0: that's true that's true. that's awesome. well, um I appreciate that Alex and thank you Nick. really appreciate actually you actually offering just on the call just a little bit ago to to possibly come on again for a second time and I think maybe even having a greater agile or I should say safe versus less might not be a bad a bad uh, topic that we can cover um, that would be great if we could have you on and have Alex join us uh, on the call as well and possibly some other peeps uh, that would be great I be laugh I'll, I'll, it's all the great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So you, uh, we're going to get into just really quick, just perfect picks. Um, one thing I wanted to share with the with the team this week is uh, I'm a big fan of Ray Dalio. Uh, Ray Dalio came up with a book uh, recently in the last year and a half. Um, and I did stumble upon this video, and I'm just going to go ahead and share my screen here. Uh, we're going to add this to the show notes, uh, but it's The Principles for Success by Ray Dalio in 30 Minutes. And so Anyone that has uh, looked or looked for a little bit of motivation or a little bit of understanding, um, this book itself is probably a good, um, probably a good six, seven hundred pages. Um, and to be able to distill that key information in just thirty minutes, I think is really great for anyone looking to get uh, ahead in life or at least get a little bit of a golden nugget here and there. Um, so I wanted to just send that out to the peeps uh, to take a look at and get some feedback. We'll put that in the show notes. Alex, do you have anything that you would like to share uh, with, with the, with the folks here or anything that's motivating you these days that we could drop into the show notes as well?
1: Uh, I, I shared one link with you, I think on a uh, bottom of the page. Wonderful. It's I think it's, I think one of the best uh, 15 minutes uh, video of, product owners in a nutshell, but it not only covered the product owner owner role, but it actually covered the, all the Scrum mindset. And uh, if you go through this, I, I think you will have a lot of understanding what does it mean, how the organization operates in agile environment, and it definitely will help to, to have a starting point um, in this
0: world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put that in the show notes and I myself will take a look at it because I'm pretty geeked about uh, getting deeper into safe and and taking it and taking next steps there as well. So I know Alex is listening to the broadcast right now. Uh, Alex says, really appreciate your time. Uh, Thanks for a lot of the good details. And he does say you have a really great name. I don't know why he thinks that, but uh, you guys both share that wonderful (laughs) Alex name. So uh, I know he's with us in spirit here uh, on the web. So Alex, I really appreciate you joining the broadcast. um, And thank you you again for for starting this journey with us. So really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Head over to perfect.dev to check out our other content and say hi to our community. No matter what you are pursuing, keep working and stay perfect.